guys are welcome to be seated. You guys excited to be together? Fun times. Fun times. I'm excited to be together. Been, uh, my name's Tyler, and uh, I don't know where she went. This is my wife, Brooke. We serve as the missionary team leaders of Chi Alpha Campus Ministries at the University of Tennessee. And we're about four and a half years, I think, now into attending Lifehouse Church. And, and we love being here. We love calling Lifehouse home. We love what God's doing in Oak Ridge and in the greater Oak Ridge area. And it's a privilege, really, to be a part of what the Lord is doing and an honor to get to share with you guys today. As we continue a series on the fruit of the Spirit, we've already talked about love joy and peace and this week we'll be talking about patience and uh, I'm really looking forward to it and Galatians 5:22, it says but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control against such things there is no law I was sharing some stories earlier of how like job that we do on the university campus I think it's the best job in the whole world and uh, we have a student right now his name's Ben and and we met Ben during welcome week he came to a lot of our events and at one of our events Brooke she was sharing the gospel with him she had such a fun time just coming home sharing about talking with him and then he went on a hike with us later in the week and I asked him like he wasn't a believer at the time I asked him Ben, why do you keep coming around? Why do you want to be with us? And he's, he, he essentially said, you guys have treated me like family. And so what was drawing to Ben at first was actually community. He said other people he had tried to connect with on campus left him on red. The kids will know what I'm saying, the other of you. They didn't contact him back. <laughs> they didn't want to be his friend. And so they left him on red. And he's like, man, you guys have really been family to me and invited me into this community. And that's why... I keep being around and so he started going to a small group he started attending our large group after uh, uh, several weeks maybe six eight weeks he committed his life to Jesus and and this next Thursday night he's gonna get water baptized and I was talking with him about it last Thursday and and I was telling him how like it's starting to get cold outside and how we do baptisms when it's cold and I was just explaining to him the process and he's like I, I'll say the word wrong I'm not very sciencey <laughs> but he's like, I don't care if you baptize me in a chirogenic tube. It doesn't matter to me, man. Just put me in some water. Like, I want to identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and say, I can't save myself, but Jesus came to save me. And that's really cool. The weird thing about it is if you Google that word, it's a really small vial <laughs> that you put, like, blood or other specimens in. And so, like, I don't think he even knew what he was saying. You know, you can baptize me in a very small vial of water. I don't know. I'm going to have to ask him about that later. After I Googled it, I'm like, that was weirder than what I thought it was. <laughs> but essentially, he's just saying, I don't care. I just want to identify with Jesus. We have the best job in the world, man, just getting to share Jesus with university students. And I just want to say thanks. Thank you guys for partnering with what God is doing on the university campus. You're your generosity to LifeHouse is impacting literally the nations. Even if you only gave to Chi Alpha at the University of Tennessee, I was sharing in the, you would impact the nations. I was sharing in the first service that we have a student who five months ago, he's a Chinese student, philosophy, uh, a doctorate of philosophy. Five months ago, he committed his life to Jesus. And so a Chinese student, <laughs> doctorate of philosophy, probably the one you would say, yeah, he's probably not going to choose to follow Jesus, right? But God just drew him, and man, this guy, he's growing crazy in his faith and reading the scriptures, and, and uh, man, he's growing like, like a weed, they would say. Weeds grow fast. And uh, it's so exciting just being a part of his life. This last week, I prayed at the beginning of our worship gathering, and I went to sit by him. His name is Wusham, and uh, he just leaned over to me, and he said, that was a really good prayer. And I was like, okay, that's probably the kindest thing that's been said to me all day. There's <laughs> this brand new baby follower of, of, of Jesus, you know? And he was affirming me, encouraging me, just in the simple thing of how I talk to God on behalf of our community. Isn't that amazing? 
It's just cool to be a part of his life. I have this one other guy, and then I'll share from about patience. But there's this one other guy. His name's Kalechi. He's, uh, he's from Nigeria. He's also a doctorate student, and I mean, God's really working in his life a ton. And we meet up every week, and we try to figure out how we can conquer the University of Tennessee for Jesus. And so this is what our <laughs> conversations consist of, discipleship and multi-generational discipleship and making disciples that make disciples that make disciples and so that we can see the gospel spread on our campus and to the ends of the earth. It's a great job. I'm really honored, and I just want to say thanks to you guys for helping send us to the University of Tennessee. So Ben and, and Wushungs and students like this can come to know Jesus, but so Kalechi's can mature in their faith and make disciples that make disciples so this gospel can be preached to the ends of the earth so our king can return and make all things right again. So thank you for your giving. Years ago, um, in our first year here, so seven years ago now, I had a student in my small group. His name was Taurus. He was from inner city Memphis. He was a valedictorian of his class. The kid was an absolute legend. I love him so much. And um, and he always wanted to challenge me in basketball. I didn't mention this the first service, but he always wanted to challenge me in basketball. And this one time I actually crossed him over and made him fall down on the ground and he actually had to have surgery. And uh, like we would, me and this kid, we walked together through a lot of different stuff. And uh, he was in a small group and at the time he hadn't made a decision to follow Jesus yet. After a couple months he did and it was really cool. He was just really immature in his faith. And so in small group, if we were, we were maybe talking about generosity or forgiveness or making disciples that make disciples so we can change the world. Um, but when we would ask Taurus what he thought, no matter what passage we read or like what we were discussing, he would always say or often say patience is a virtue. And so today I get the opportunity to talk with you guys about patience. So I want to say I think this one is being recorded and online. This one goes out to you, Taurus. Patience is, in fact, a virtue, one that we all need to mature in. And I look greatly forward to just sharing that and talking with you guys about it some today. Thanks, buddy. I love that a lot. Come back in five minutes. Uh, so we're going to talk some about patience. We have a son, Brooke and I. His name's Beniah. He's two years old. And uh, he struggles with patience or the lack thereof in his life in, in varying forms. And so I could give you so many examples. The one that came first to mind was yesterday we went out to eat and we went to First Watch. Do you guys love First Watch? Okay, there's a lot of fans of First Watch in this service too. We love it. And so we went there and we're eating. And I always get the biscuits and gravy there, a turkey sausage. It's awesome, really good. Get some scrambled eggs, throw it up in there, mix it around. And I generally share my food with Benaya. And because I don't usually eat all my food, it works out great. So... I'm feeding him, and literally, like, as I'm putting food in his mouth, he's saying, I want to eat, Daddy, I want to eat. For five minutes straight, I'm feeding this child, and he's saying on repeat, I want to eat, Daddy, I want to eat, while he's chewing food, while he's swallowing. The fastest I can get food into his mouth, I'm getting it into his mouth constantly. His impatience is leading him to say, I want to eat, Daddy, I want to eat. He's so impatient that he wants to eat while he's eating. <laughs> The level of, it's like 10 out of 10 impatience, you know, like he's expert level impatient. And so we work with him because we want him to learn how to be a more patient individual. And so we, we have different things that we do, like in the morning when we're, we're feeding him breakfast, we'll put him in his chair, we'll ask him what he wants. He'll be like, I want yogurt, blueberries, strawberries, banana, banana. And so I'm like, okay, the answer is yes, Benaya, you can have you can have yogurt. You can have all of these fruits. Just give me a minute. I'm going to prepare that for you. But the whole time, in the middle time, he's like, banana, yogurt, fruit. I want to eat. Daddy. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, just give me a second, please. I'm over here. I'm doing my best to, to prepare this incredible luxury dish for you of yogurt and, and fruit. And that, so what we'll do is we'll set, we'll, we were trying to teach him this sign when he was younger, and it's something like this. It's like, wait. And then we learned he does not like that. <laughs> He's like, I want yogurt, banana, strawberries, daddy, daddy, hungry, eat. <laughs> and we're like, wait, Benaya, wait. And he's like, ah, I don't want to wait. Like, I'm hungry. I need the food now. I've waited 
15 hours to eat. I cannot possibly wait two and a half more minutes for you to feed, feed me a, a bowl of yogurt. And so there's this thing that he also does that I love a lot when I'm holding him and he wants my attention immediately is he'll grab my beard. So like if, if I'm holding him and I'm talking to someone, he does this almost every other day and he wants my attention. It's usually about food. He'll grab my beard and he'll look me face to face. Daddy, eat. <laughs> Milk. <laughs> Juice. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, you know, I actually love it, so I'm never going to correct it because it's so cute when he looks me like right in my eyes. He's like, daddy, eat. And I'm like, okay, buddy, we'll eat all that you want to eat. But he struggles with impatience. And, and this week as I was considering talking about the fruit of the spirit of patience, I, I started considering his life. And so as I looked at his life, which is often filled with impatience, I came to these conclusions, many of which we're not going to talk about today. We're only going to focus in on how our God is very patient in one of these things. Uh, but I wanted to at least mention them. When I was considering Benaiah's impatience, first I realized that impatience often reveals distrust. Distrust in either God or distrust in someone else. And so in these moments where he's being impatient with me as a dad, he's, he's thinking one of two things. I'm either not going to feed him, which has never happened, Right. Or I'm going to feed him broccoli. There's a distrust that's there that I'm not going to give him what he wants. And impatience often reveals distrust. Secondly, impatience often reveals pride. Impatience comes from a place of I want what I want now and I don't care what's going on with anyone else. You know, like sometimes in the morning I'm trying to also get ready. I'm trying to also get some coffee so I can have some energy for the morning. I'm trying to also answer my phone or help take care of things around the house, all while preparing yogurt. You guys are following? But Benaiah doesn't have the capacity yet to realize that. He only thinks about himself. And so impatience often reveals pride, that everything is about us and us getting what we want when we want it. Thirdly, Impatience often reveals an unhealthy relationship with control. So the only time we actually have to be patient is when we're not in control. For instance, if you need $100 and you have $100 in your wallet, you do not need patience. You have $100. But let's say you need $100 and you do not have $100. Now you need patience, right? Because you are no longer in control of getting $100. Because you don't have the capacity to just get $100, you're broke. You following what I'm saying? So impatience often reveals an unhealthy relationship with control. If you have an issue with control, you will almost certainly have an issue with impatience. Fourthly, impatience often occurs, or actually I think it always occurs in the waiting. Because you don't need patience unless you are waiting. And fifth, this is where we're going to focus later toward the end, but this is what I feel like the Lord wanted to say to our community specifically, is that impatience often steals your life. Impatience steals our lives, and we'll come back to that later. But sixth, impatience doesn't only victimize two-year-olds who want to eat, right? Impatience victimizes preteens waiting for their driver's license. Can I get an Amen. Students waiting for test results, employees waiting on promotions, it victimizes achievers waiting on goals to be realized, fans waiting on their teams to give them that championship season, married couples waiting on, excuse me, married couples waiting to be parents, families waiting on summer vacation, parents waiting on children to choose to follow Christ, the unemployed waiting on their next job opportunity, the directionless waiting on God to show them the next step, the sick waiting on their healing, single adults waiting on their spouse, believers waiting on the Lord to return, and all of us waiting on that one day when. That one day when it's not like it is right now, and it is like we want it to be. So when allowed, impatience victimizes anyone who waits on anything. Impatience can victimize, if you allow it, anyone who waits on anything. So I ask you this question. Have you ever felt a victim of impatience? Have you ever felt a lack of patience in your own life? Well, as my wise friend Taurus Patton would say, 
Patience is a virtue, and it's one that we must all mature in. Galatians 5, through 25, we'll read the whole text. It says this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. I hope you guys get with me better than the first service did, but do you guys like it when there are no rules? <laughs> some are saying yes, some are saying no. Sometimes, I mean, I do like the rules, and I am very much a rule-following kind of person. Uh, if I don't follow the rules, my conscience will ruin me, and so I am very much so a rule-follower. But I do like those nights where I'm just with the guys and there are no rules. I can wear the shoes in my house. <laughs> I can drink as much soda as I want, you know, like there are no rules. I can just have fun. I can just let loose. You know, when it's just me and Benai at home, no rules. You know, we're just having fun. We're chasing each other around. We're screaming. We're, we're doing our thing. We're definitely eating stuff, right? This is what the passage is saying. When it comes to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, there are no rules. You can have these things in abundance. Against such things, the passage says, there is no law. You can have as much love as you want, as much patience as you want, as much kindness as you want. You can have as much self-control as you want. Against these things, there are no rules. It also says this. I'll illustrate it this way. If the spirit were a tree, it would be a love tree. It would be a joy tree, a peace tree, a patience tree, because a tree produces fruit according to its kind. The Spirit is love, so it must produce love. The Spirit is kindness, must produce kindness. You guys are following? And the Spirit is patience, which we're talking about today. So it must produce patience. So if the Spirit is in us, and as believers it is, that even it says in Romans, those who are led by the Spirit of God. Those are the children of God. So if the Spirit is in us, we too must produce love. You can get it, it's fine. Go for it. We too can produce love. We too should produce kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. But we too must produce in our lives patience. See, if we live by the Spirit and desire to keep in step with the Spirit, we cannot excuse ourselves from any one of the fruit of the Spirit. Like, it's not possible for us to just say, like, uh, I'm just not that gentle of a person. Like, I, my mom, she wasn't very gentle. She was super direct with people, and she just said it as it was. And, and her mom was that way, and her mom was that way, so I'm just bound to be a not very gentle person. Like, my whole life, I've just struggled with impatience. My mom struggled with impatience. My dad, all my friends struggled with impatience. And so I guess I'm going to just live my life impatiently. That doesn't work. If we have the Spirit of God in us, that's not the way that it is. And, and actually the passage says, if we look back at it, for this mindset, it says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. And so in reality, that feeling that, oh, I'm just not that way needs to die. And the Spirit of God to take resident and, and even to give over surrender in our lives to the Spirit so that we can produce that thing. Something else must die, which is impatience. This is who He is, and He lives in us. So therefore, this must be who we are. As followers of Jesus, we must be patient. My prayer was this leading into today, that we would see that this passage and therefore this series is simply an invitation to be like God. Isn't that fun? Isn't that exciting? Like what an honor, an invitation that in living empowered by the Spirit of God, we can actually be like God. Are you full of love without the Spirit? Probably not. Are you full of kindness without the Spirit? Probably not. Are you full of self-control without the Spirit? Probably not. But those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. 
And so therefore, if we have the Spirit of God, we ought to be loving. We ought to be kind. We ought to be, as we're talking about today, patient. And we can't excuse ourselves from the fruit of the Spirit. If He abides in us, His fruit will be produced in our lives. And so the question then is not, can I or should I or will I? But it's like, I'm going to produce it. And if it's not there, then the question isn't, you know, the comment I guess we should make isn't, well, I'm not going to live in this thing. But the question that we should actually be asking ourselves is, is the Spirit actually king in our lives? Are we surrendered fully to the Spirit and what He wants for us? Have we put to death our flesh and the passions that we have that come from this world? So I want to I recognize this, that when it comes to all of these things that we're talking about throughout this series, that the, the place that these things start is with God right. and with his spirit. And this is who he is. It's his nature. It's his character. It's his identity. And so in identifying with, uh, with him, we will produce these things in our lives. But they all start with God. Like, to be honest, if it isn't for God, I don't have any much reason to be loving, to be kind, to be gentle. I certainly wouldn't be patient. I would want what I want right now, and I would do whatever I could do to get it. But with him, everything changes. And so the starting point for us with this, and even with patience this morning, is actually looking to God and saying, is he patient? And what we'll find through looking at some scripture, and, and even I think you already know from your own life, he is very much so patient with us very much so patient with the world. And so we'll start with his patience with the world. If you guys want to turn Second uh, Peter 3, Second Peter chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 8 through 9. It'll also be on the screen for you. Hey, uh, I'm getting quite a bit of feedback in these monitors. If I don't know if we can correct it, but if we can, that'd be great. Thanks so much. So what's happening in Second Peter um, Chapter 3, verses 8 through 9, leading up to this point is some scoffers or some onlookers, some false teachers are looking at the people of God and they're saying this, I'm going to shorten it to you or to simplify it for you. They're saying this, your, your Jesus, your king, he told you he was going to return and he's going to take you out of here. He's going to return and he's going to make all things right. He's going to make things the way that he intended for them to be. But where is he? He isn't returning. He isn't returning things to the way that, that he intended for them to be. You know how it was in the garden. He isn't doing that. I think he might not actually be coming. This is what's happening in the first seven verses leading up to verses 8 through 9, okay? So that's what's happening in the preceding seven verses. And then the writer, Peter, he says this. He says, but do not overlook this one fact, beloved. With the Lord, one day is as a thousand years. And a thousand years is as one day. And so what's the writer saying? He's like, you are, you're looking at it and you're saying he's not going to return. But what you need to understand is time with God doesn't work the same way time works with you. He's actually outside of it. He's the creator of it. And so for God, one day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like one day. So timing isn't working out the same way. Then it says this, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness. He's not slow, but is patient. God is not slow. He's patient. Toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. He says timing doesn't work for God in the same way that it works for us. A day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day, and he says, in fact, he's not slow. You think he's slow. You think he's not coming. You think he should have already come. You think he should have already done these things. He's not slow. He's actually patient, and he's patient with purpose. And the purpose that the passage gives is it says, he is patient with us, willing that none should perish, but that all would come to repentance. What the writer is saying essentially is that God is under the understanding and he's under the uh, compulsion that he would like the most of the world as possible to know him. And so he is being patient with the world so that they will repent, so that they will turn from their ways and they will turn to him. But if he were to come in this moment, imagine, even just think about this moment, imagine the, the many thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of people who would enter eternity without him. 
And so he's saying, God is patient with us, with purpose, willing that none would perish, but all would come to repentance. He's not slow, but he is patient. Patience, as I looked at different definitions and put them together in one, can be defined this way. The ability to accept or tolerate delays, problems, or suffering without becoming annoyed, anxious, or upset. The ability to accept or tolerate delays, problems, or suffering without becoming annoyed, anxious, or upset is patience. Synonyms or other words that could be used in this text are endurance, steadfastness, perseverance, forbearance, long-suffering, slowness in avenging wrongs. This is what patience means. This is how I look at it is, you guys ever ask someone to be patient with you? Like, hey, be pa- just be patient with me. You ever had anyone ask you, like, hey, could you just be patient with me? Yes? Okay, what are you actually saying? You're saying, can I have more time? Be patient with me. I need more time. For instance, uh, you call KUB. You have a $300 bill that's due, and you say, hey, KUB, can you be patient with me? You're not saying I'm not going to pay the bill, right? You're just saying, I need more time. I need to find the monies. I will bring the monies to you, but please be patient with me. I need some times, right, to pass, and then I'll give it to you. That's what essentially what we're talking about is time. Patience happens in the waiting. So what we're saying is give me more time, and in the meantime, don't give me a hard time. Be patient with me. (laughs) And people are saying that to you. Be patient with me. They're saying give me more time, and in the meantime, don't give me a hard time. So it's... The ability to accept or tolerate delays, problems, or suffering without becoming annoyed, anxious, or upset. I would define it this way personally. Staying healthy and present when there is a delay in getting what you want now. Staying healthy in the present when there is a delay in getting what you want now. More simply put, staying at peace in waiting. Patience. Staying at peace in waiting. In 2 Peter 3, 8 through 9, God exhibits great patience. A delay in getting what he wants. He's patient with a purpose. He exhibits great patience in this. Let me just ask you guys a question to maybe make it more real. Don't you think God wants to return? Like, do you think he wants to make all things right? Do you think he loves when we kill each other and cheat on each other and steal and, and live our lives for our own profit and gain? you think he's just sitting up there loving it? Like, this is the way I want it to be. This is awesome. My people are rebelling. They're far from me. They're worshiping foreign gods. I love it. I'm going to just keep waiting because this is great. No. His heart is broken at the rebellion and at the disobedience and at the state of our world. But he is patient with us. Why? Willing that none should perish, but that all would come to repentance. This is what the passage is saying. He's so patient. And aren't you personally glad he was patient with you? What if he would have returned for his church 10 years ago? Where would you be? 20 years ago, where would you be? 30 years ago, where would you be? 40 years ago, you may not even exist. Aren't you glad he was patient with us? Willing that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Why do we rush what God is being patient with? We look at the world, we look at the state of the world, and we're like, come back quickly, Lord Jesus. Let me tell you something that will resolve this mentality. It's taking on the Lord's heart of patience. His heart for the world is that he's patient with them, willing that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. Another thing that would solve it, get yourself a non-believing friend. Find yourself a Muslim friend, a Hindu friend, an atheist, or an agnostic friend. And then you'll understand the Lord's patience. Because when you start to understand that if he does return in this moment, your friend will not go with you, that changes perspective. 
I'm so glad he was patient enough with me until I could return to him, until I could come home, until I could be right with him, until I could find intimacy and freedom and life and purpose in him. But now I must live my life in patience with the world as he has patience with the world. 40% of the world yet to even hear an adequate presentation of the gospel. I'm not waking up every day praying that the Lord returns. I'm waking up every day praying, God, would you help me to be patient with the world in the way that you've been patient for thousands of years with the world. Help my heart be one that I would be willing to endure what this life has to give me, the sickness, the pain, the war, the, the disconnect in relationships, the fighting, that I would endure all of this world has to offer for the sake of the world knowing him, for the sake of one more coming to know him. This is his mindset. This is his heart. This is his nature to be patient with the world, willing that none should perish, but all would come to repentance. And I'm so thankful, and aren't you thankful, that he was patient with you in that way? He must be patient in that same way. Secondly, he was patient with Noah, so he's patient with the world. The second example I'll give is he's patient with Noah. And if you look at Genesis chapter 6, you can read, you can read the story, man. He, there's a whole world of people rebelling, living in sin. Their hearts are far from God. Their minds are far from God. Therefore, their actions are far from God. And he looks down on it every day and he thinks, this is not the way it was meant to be. This is not why I created them. I created them for intimacy with me. But what it says in Genesis 6, 5 and 6 is that the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Every intention of their hearts and their thoughts were only evil continually. Every person in the world but eight people. Can you guys imagine? And we say the world is, I mean, the world isn't in a grand place. I'm with you on that, but eight people. The whole world, and we, he, we got eight people. Like the people who stood on the stage for the worship team, there were more people on the worship team than the people who were righteous in this time. In the world. The whole world. Okay? And so it says, Every intention of the thoughts in the heart was only evil continually, and the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. The world was rebelling against God. But what did he do? He found a man. 1 Peter 3.20. It, it says, When God's patience waited in the days of Noah... While the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through water. He found the man and he said, I, you have been found righteous in my eyes. He said, I want you to build an ark. I want you to build it in this particular way. And uh, theologians would say maybe between 75 and 100 years it took for Noah to build this ark. I'm not sure. You have to do some real cool biblical math to even get to that point. And so make up your own mind. But it was a long time it took him to build this ark. Why does that matter? Because every day, God, the people of the world are waking up, God is looking down, and they are being rebellious. Their hearts are far from him. The world is not the way that he wants it to be, but he is patient with them. For 75 years, he's building this ark. They're watching it be built out in the desert. You don't think they ever had a question, wondered, what's this big thing? Why is it here? <laughs> what's going on? He was patient with them. Willing that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And his patience warranted him intimacy with eight. But it was worth it for him to be patient. He could have come. He could have corrected things. He could have started over. He could have done whatever he wanted. But he didn't. He waited patiently for the salvation of eight. Isn't that crazy cool? Doesn't it show you the patient heart of our God? What about the writer of these two passages? So we've read a passage from 1 Peter, a passage from 2 Peter, and the other disciples, they certainly knew the Lord's patience. If you've read the Bible, yeah? They fell asleep during prayer meetings. They argued over positions in the kingdom of God. They wanted to call down fire from heaven to destroy people. After seeing miracle after miracle, they still lacked faith. They abandoned him in his greatest trial. Peter himself tried to start a fight with some Roman soldiers by cutting off a guy's ear. Jesus grabs it. He heals him. Like, these guys needed the patience of the king, yeah? 
Peter even denies Jesus three times. They experienced and knew his patience. And like we could go on and on just looking at the disciples' lives and how patient Jesus was with them. Sweet baby. But I ask you this. What do you know of his patience? How have you experienced his patience personally? He's patient with the world. He was patient with Noah. He reveals his patience with his disciples. But how has he revealed his patience to you personally, those of us who are sons, those of us who are daughters of God? How has his patience been revealed in your own life? Do you remember when you were addicted to alcohol and he was patient? Do you remember when you were messed up on drugs and he was patient, when you were sleeping around and he was patient? Do you remember those times when, man, you woke up in the morning and God was there, he was in the living room waiting on you, and you felt that tug in your heart, I should go spend time with him, but you didn't go? He was patient, right? He was there the next morning, right? He was there the next morning. Maybe you went a week, maybe you went a month, maybe you went a year. He was there when you showed back up, right? He was patient with you. He's been patient with the world. He was patient with Noah. He was patient with the disciples. But the reality uh, that makes it hit home, the realest, I think, is that he's been patient with us, willing that we wouldn't perish. And so patience is who he is, and this is how he responds. This is how God responds in the in-between. The in-between of what he wants and getting what he wants. The waiting, the middle, is where we choose patience or impatience. So there's so many ways for us to respond. And, and personally, I think a lot of the, you gotta sort a lot of these things out, your own self. Is, but looking at him as a model, seeing that he is patient and, and saying, man, if I have his spirit in me, then I have to fight for this as well. I have to desire this. I have to seek this same sort of patience in my own life. But I want to just focus in on this one. I'll leave a lot to self-discovery, but I want to say this. And Don, you're welcome to come. I want to focus on just the one. Impatience steals our lives. And this is what I was feeling like the Lord wanted to remind our community of when it comes to the fruit of the spirit of patience. That impatience will steal your life. Benaya likes peanut butter sandwiches. He calls them butter sandwiches. <laughs> he said, butter sandwich. And we don't give him butter on a sandwich because that's really weird. <laughs> but we do give him peanut butter sandwiches as much as he wants. They're pretty healthy, I guess, better than other options. So he's like, butter sandwich, butter sandwich. And so let's say it's lunchtime, right? And he's like, I want a butter sandwich. And we're like, okay, buddy, you can have a butter sandwich. And so what do I do? I, I go about making a butter sandwich. I go to the fridge, which is where we keep our bread. It lasts longer there. I know that's weird. <laughs> and then uh, I get the peanut butter. It's not in the fridge. It's in the pantry. I get the peanut butter out. I start making the sandwich. And it goes one of two directions. In the waiting, okay? There's the moment where he's like, I want a butter sandwich. And then there's the moment when he receives and eats the butter sandwich. You guys following? But we all actually live our lives in the middle space, right? And in the middle space is where we choose patience or impatience. It's where we bear the fruit of patience or we're victimized by impatience. And so in the middle space, some days with Beniah, it's so cool. I'm making the sandwich and we're dancing and we're singing and we're talking and we spend time together and it's awesome and he's being patient and then there's some days where his two-year-old comes out and there is impatience and in the middle there is kicking and screaming and flailing around on the ground <laughs> like the world has ended over the butter sandwich not getting made fast enough what I began to realize as I processed this in my own life and as I thought about Benaiah a lot is that in the middle when we choose impatience, impatience steals our lives. So if he would just be patient, every day would be full of singing and laughing and dancing and relationship building between me and him. But sadly to say, honestly, like lots of days, 
that's lost. It's lost for kicking and, and screaming and flailing around on the ground and it actually takes longer to make the butter sandwich anyways, but that's a different thing. So what I started to realize is that what happens in the waiting is what happens in Benaiah's life. Because isn't he always in the waiting? If it isn't for a butter sandwich, it's for the Mickey Mouse toy. If it isn't for the Mickey Mouse toy, it's for getting his shoes on so he can go outside. And if it's not for the getting his shoes on to go outside, it's, uh, I want a wagon, daddy, wagon, wagon, go, ride, wagon, drive, drive car, drive. <laughs> That's what he does. <laughs> and like, he's always in the waiting. But also, aren't we always in the waiting? Between what we want and then that thing being realized. And if we live in the waiting, in the middle space, impatiently, it will rob us of our lives. But if we learn to live patiently as God was patient with us, if we'll be patient with him, and if we'll be patient with one another, we'll live. Our lives will be full of laughing and singing and dancing and living instead of kicking and screaming and missing out on the life that we have. What happens in the waiting determines what happens with our lives. How will you spend the waiting? Time between what you want and when you get it. In James 4, 14, it says, yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Since your life is like this, here today, gone tomorrow. How will you spend the vapor, the mist that is your life? Will you spend it patiently and therefore live it? Or will you spend it impatiently and therefore lose it? I feel like this is what the Lord wanted to say. Don't miss out on the life you have for the life you're waiting for. I've got to quit looking at my family. It'll help me not to cry. God is patient and the spirit is patient. And the fruit of his spirit in our lives should be patient. So let us walk in step with the spirit. In the last three years of my life, I've, I've described it in the, I finally got words to put to it in the last couple weeks. Uh, and you know, you, <laughs> I was gonna say you guys ever played this game. It's not really a game. At least it was never to me. Like, but when you're in the pool or you're at the lake with some family or friends and uh, the stronger ones, they take the younger or the smaller ones and they just put them under the water and they hold them for a little bit and then they let them back up and get a breath and then they do it again. If you guys haven't played it, I've played it. I was, <laughs> I was usually on the under the water side, I'm sure. Uh, but it's like you come up for just enough breath that you can continue to live and then you're back under again. Come up for a little bit of breath and then you're back under again, a little bit of breath back under again. And then finally your bigger brother's like, okay, maybe I should stop. Mom and dad are gonna, <laughs> gonna get me, you know? I felt like that was my life for three years. It's like uh, I came up for a breath and something's taking me under again. Back up for a breath and something's taking me under again. Anyone understand the feeling? Uh, three years ago, we went through several big difficulties with outside sources, essentially trying to ruin our lives on campus and make sure our campus ministry didn't exist anymore and calling the police telling them all sorts of things that aren't true about us, calling the university, calling parents of students, telling them, hey, don't get involved with this group, they're not good. And man, they were really, they were trying to, they were trying to destroy us. And after that, uh, one of our staff people, they, some student on campus said that they harassed another student. It didn't happen. It was all untrue, unfounded. And uh, so really a difficult time with the university. And I felt like I was underwater. I was certainly like, I want it to not be like this anymore, <laughs> but I was in the middle and it was still like that. You guys following? It was bad. <laughs> and then uh, COVID happened. 
And then we all felt like we were underwater, right? And we're in the middle, we're like, can it not be this way anymore? Can I see my friends? Can I not wear this mask? Can whatever <laughs> not be the thing anymore? Can life go back to normal? You guys know what I'm saying? And then after that, Brooke got pregnant and we have Benaya and a short time later, a big cyst came up on Benaya's neck and we didn't know what it was thinking, maybe it's life-threatening, maybe, maybe it's cancerous or whatever. And go to the hospital, they have to do surgery on him. They put my little boy to sleep and, and he gets this thing removed. Man, it was terrible time. And I'm praying the whole time, you know, I'm like in the middle, like, God, would you heal my son? This isn't cool. This isn't fun. I know you heal. I really love it if this could not be the thing anymore. And then right around that same time, Brooke had a surgery as well. Same thing. I'm, I'm like, man, this is a lot. And uh, just uh, recently, the, like this summer, Brooke went through, giving you a fast, real fast forward of three years of our lives, but she went through like real difficult thing of like uh, her nerves attacking her body from her foot to the top of her head, bottom of her feet to the top of her head, like she can't walk and super difficult month. Emergency room three times, admitted to the hospital two times. No one can figure out what's going on. They made an educated guess, but they really still don't know. And uh, for sure, but they ruled out a lot of, a ton of stuff and like 12 nights in the hospital, right? We're, we're in the waiting. <laughs> And we're praying and we're trusting God and, and uh, we're saying, man, God, this is tough. We made a decision though to be patient and to live the life we had, to live in the middle. Like this is where it gets real, right? I'm like, impatience though says, I just want to be not here. I want to be in good standing with the school with students on campus. I'd love it if my kid wasn't sick. I'd love it if my wife wasn't sick. And on it goes, whatever the situation may be, whatever your situation is, I would love to be here, right? You guys are feeling it. You know, you're probably in it right now with something's coming to mind. But we actually live the majority of our lives here in the middle, in the middle space. If we choose to live it impatiently, we will lose our lives. If we choose to keep our focus on what isn't and what we're waiting for, we will miss out on what is and what we have, the small mist, the small vapor of life that we have to live. Patience is what allows us to live in that middle space well and stay healthy. Enduring difficulty. reality is we can't do it without the Spirit of God. We can't live well in the in-between. We can't live focused on the moment we're in and not being focused on just what is to come and, and really what isn't even promised without the Spirit of God. But He is patient as sons and of daughters, we have his spirit and the fruit of his spirit is patience. So we too can live in patience and endurance and steadfastness and long suffering in the middle. So I just want to pray that over us and then respond. God, we really need your help. Spirit of the living God, I'm so thankful that you don't dwell in buildings made by men, but you chose to dwell in us, to make us your home, so that we can be love and joy and peace and patience and kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Spirit of God, we can't be patient without you can't live our lives with purpose and intention without you. We can't live well in the middle of what we want and what we want being realized without you. We can't be patient with this world, willing that none should perish, but all would come to repentance without you. Our default is self. We need your help. As we fix our eyes on you this morning as a community, 
Would you remind us, God, of how patient you've been with us, how you've been long-suffering with us, how you've been patient with us, how you've waited for us, and help us to respond in gratitude. And then with life surrendered to you, saying, Spirit of the living God, if you're patient, I want to be patient. Would you help us as a community, Father, not to miss out on what is for what could be, for what we're waiting on, but to invest the mist, the vapor of life that we have and to invest it well. Help us, Holy Spirit. Would you guys mind to just stand in response. I want to do a couple things. One is uh, I want to take just, just a minute. Would everyone just close their eyes and just in gratitude, would you just remember how patient God has been with you throughout your life? And would you just take a moment to be thankful? patience with you. Secondly, I just want to ask this question. Maybe you're here and you're living in the in-between of what you want and that thing being realized. We need the Spirit of God to empower us to be patient and to endure and to be faithful in the in-between. We can't do it in our own strength. So I, I just want to, maybe that's you. You're like, I'm in the in-between. I don't know what your circumstance is. I'm not going to ask, but would you just raise your hand and say, I'm in the in-between of something I want and that thing being realized. There's people all around. I, I want to just take a minute. Would you just gather of these, these that are here and just take a moment to pray, just pray patience over them, pray endurance over them as they wait for it to be realized.